0: Big finish to season one of the pod, gentlemen. What's going on, folks? Welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition. Yes, season finale edition. The gentlemen have headed out to the respective cottages... And after this podcast, they will be putting their phones away. Understandably, it's been a grind. Uh, We've had a blast here on season one, but let's finish it off today. Mike Johnson, Pierre Lebrun are standing by. Reminder, the Got Your Back NHL edition brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, our title sponsor, for season one they provide equipment and supplies to all facets of the canadian construction industry and they've got that getter done attitude they don't mess around they live by it they make sure they will never let their clients down no excuses they take great pride in that attitude cross-country canada proud title sponsors here on got your back LeBron and rashad and mj Look at the smile. Well, look at the smile on MJ. I think he was maybe up a little bit earlier than P. But you guys are at the cottages, ready to relax. Just a whole different gear you're going to shift into, P.
1: Yeah, one more column to write for The Athletic today, and then I am uh, disappearing for the summer.
0: Yeah, And you, like Johnny... He pulls a full Houdini. Like, there's yes. no sort of Pierre happening in the summertime. And I'm not saying you didn't earn it, Pierre. You've earned it. But, man, you know how to just go off grid, my man. Do you even have power out there? Oh, yeah. No, no.
1: This is not. I, I don't rough it. Uh, that's not me. <laughs> I, I, I would not be the guy you'd want to have in a survival uh, <laughs> uh, outdoors game. I'd be the first guy tapping
2: out. Oh, I just got bit by a fly. I'm out. Got to go home.
0: See yeah. You later.
2: Yes. About- I've been to Pierre's place. It is lovely. Yeah. And actually, to be fair, we're not far from each other. Pierre and I are probably only like yeah. a 30-minute drive from each other. So we're in the same neck of the woods, uh, no pun intended. Yeah, it, it's, it's been a good year. It's been a it's been a fun year. But it'll be nice to um, take a couple of weeks, couple of months here to refresh. And then before you know it, we'll be right back at it in September. But uh, yeah, and, and I always feel, Shoggy, you are sort of a hybrid between Pierre and I. On free agent day, where you're both a bit of an insider, but a bit of an analyst and a bit of a reporter. So you're doing a bit of everything. But Pierre worked so hard into yesterday. And whereas I just kind of sit there, I don't have to do anything. I like it. here comes a signing. I talk about what I think about it. It's very easy for me. I uh, the insider guys, Pierre, uh, specifically, they work so hard. So yeah, they definitely need to uh recharge the batteries a little bit. Can you put, uh, in, a put in a
0: perspective, Pierre? Put a perspective. You and that phone. I mean, I followed you around at the draft for a week, so I saw it. I know what it looks like. But the relationship you have with your phone over the last week and a half, it's its bizarre, it's weird, it's not healthy. It's just a... It, uh, it's crazy the way you guys uh, stare at it.
1: Uh, yeah, I might throw it in the lake, actually, at the end of this. But, uh, no, I mean, that's the job, right? And, uh, you know... I also probably will spend some of today and tomorrow going back and texting a lot of people to say sorry for how many times (laughs) I texted them over the last couple of weeks. But it's crazy. And I don't remember this being quite as crazy pre cap. I mean, I covered the league for a decade before the salary cap. But I tell you what, in the salary cap era, the month of June has become like else. I mean, round activity both for hires and fires and trades and signings it's it, it's unreal and the cap has forced that of course in terms of the player movement but um yeah it's been a busy couple weeks
0: all right well tons to break down guys we're going to go around the horn with the canadian teams and then we're going to talk about other uh teams that made a splash in free agency let's get to the breakdown brought to our by our good friends at kuma outdoor gear Uh, A wide range of fantastic outdoor gear. If you happen to be someone that likes tailgating in football season or just spending some time outside at the cottage or at the campsite, a wide range of drinkware, Uh, super comfortable outdoor seats as well they got their new switchback heated chair that's powered by bluetooth technology a couple of heaters in that thing so that's fantastic as well they've been great partners this year on the podcast so we want to say thanks to matt and the great crew over at kuma outdoor gear uh gentlemen let's uh we'll just go alphabetical because it's easiest let's talk about the canadian teams what they did and what they did not do we will start with the calgary flames and listen we all know johnny that craig conroy's to-do list is a big one in the off season um but man the, just no activity i'm not sure if it was just too much on the to-do list when it comes to guys that he needs to either get signed or get traded but uh, there was nary a peep from the calgary flames on july 1st buddy you said calgary i'm like hang on what did calgary do again i'm trying to check my notes i don't remember I them know. doing anything
2: so yes yeah, so we like i think there's two par- two trains of thought here for calgary one of course is what are we going to do with the guys that are signed, but may not want to re-sign. Lindholm, Backlund, Hannafin. What's going to happen to those guys? Whatever we do with them will dictate what else we will do with our roster. And we may get a whole bunch of players back for those guys so that we don't need to go sign players right now. So there's that. And the other idea, Pierre, I think is that like, I think they want to give the team that didn't have a great year last year, if they can, another chance. I don't think they need. they feel they need to make a ton of changes new coach, new management, let's let mm-hmm. that same group try again. So maybe not surprising uh, because their big work will be done with the trades if there are any.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. I think you can't go out and sign a bunch of players and then suddenly get players back for some of these guys that you're going to trade and have too many guys. <laughs> it's all math. I mean, it's the salary cap, so they really have to focus on the decisions they have to make, in particular on Noah Hannafin. Uh, hope they can sign Lynn and If not, make a decision there. um, Figure out what to do with a really important leader in Michael Backlund. You know, they don't have to trade every player that has an expiring deal. Some of them, I think, will be allowed to come back and start the year and then they can make a decision there, either in terms of still signing them during the year or or trading them at the deadline, right? So um, that's why I think it was probably prudent that they took the approach they did yesterday uh, in terms of the decisions they still have either signing wise or trade wise with the guys they have right now.
0: When Craig Conroy took the job, he talked about not letting guys walk into their final year on the deal. What happened with Johnny Gaudreau, not wanting to let that happen again. Then everybody looked at his team and went, "Uh, you got a bunch of them." Little easier said than done, Johnny. I mean, is he I'm not sure. I don't want to say overpromise, but he was pretty clear that they didn't want to have that repeat itself. But if the trade market isn't that great and, and the market's a little wonky, pretty hard for him to deliver on that.
2: Yeah, but he does have two more months, right? Like, mm-hmm. And everyone yeah. talks about the draft. They talk about free agency as deadlines. But he does have two more months that he wants to – if he doesn't want to let them walk in. And, um, you know, that might be his preference. But I think maybe the greater takeaway is I won't let that guy go through the, free, like, the trade deadline. You know, right, I mean, like, yeah. right. Yeah, I think it's, it's as much about that, that, you know, he'll take his time and, and he won't let them walk for nothing if they're going to leave for nothing.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with MJ. One of the things that, I won't say annoys me, but I think it <laughs> is overhyped is the winners and losers of July 1st. It's mm-hmm. one day. The off season is long. I mean, Matthew Kachuk got traded, I think, on July 22nd last year. There's – there's actually I actually think this is going to be one of those off-seasons where there's going to be still a lot of news between now and training camp not just from Calgary but all over the league. So I don't think you can sit here today and say, "Well, what's going on with Calgary?" Well, we don't have the answer yet. There's still decisions to be made there. And so, you know, when we reconvene in September for our first uh, podcast of the season, I think we'll be we'll be able to answer that question a lot better. But to MJ's point, um the trade deadline is another safety valve for this organization you know and part of that i'll be honest i'm not sure i I see them as a playoff team right now i I don't see them as a bad team either but i think they're a bubble team i think it'll be easier for them if they don't trade some of these guys this summer to say yeah we better do that at the trade deadline in my opinion
0: okay moving on to the edmonton oilers Uh, the target was connor brown they land connor brown uh uh, maybe Zach hyman light. Uh, they they swap out Kyler Yamamoto for Connor Brown. I think that that makes them better. And what do you think? How much did they improve at that position?
1: I really like Connor Brown. I can tell you the Capitals uh, as an organization were, were so upset when he got hurt last year because they really were excited to see what he could bring to their team, and they thought that was a massive loss. Uh, I think he's a guy that – I get that it was for cap reasons, but he's a guy that the Leafs should have never – traded to be honest connor brown he's one of those glue guys that i thought was important for for austin matthews and mitch marner they should have kept connor brown around so you know i think it's i think oilers fans will will have to give connor brown a bit of you know a bit of a break early next season i think it takes a lot to come back from from missing the entire year but eventually i think zach hyman light is a is a beautiful way to put it in terms of all the all the little things that Connor Brown does that uh, makes him popular uh, with his teammates.
2: I mean, e- even if it takes a little while to get fully up and running, he's a, such a smart player. Can help in a lot of different ways. The fact that he's reliable defensively will help the top lines that he plays with. Whether it's whether it's Connor McDavid or, or Leon Drysaddle, he has scored big in junior in the minors. He scored twenty in the NHL. But you know, you're you're very much more comfortable with what he's going to give you night in night out. And if he plays with those guys, if he's not in the power play, but he plays in the top six, he'll get 20 goals and he'll get 50 points and he'll be more reliable, more consistent, more capable in the playoffs here. I think it's a a good fit on a bonus-weighting contract that fits this year. will cost him a little bit more next year, but they'll worry about that next year. Well, next
1: year, the cap goes up, as everyone knows. And,
2: you know, he's a guy that I thought the Leafs
1: were wrong to get rid of. I know the salary cap was a bit of it, but they should have kept him around. He's one of those glue guys that I think was good for Matthews and Marner. I think a young Ottawa team should have found a way to keep him, and I get it. It takes two to tango, and you have to have a guy that's willing to sign, but this guy has to stop moving around. Uh, he's such a popular teammate wherever he goes. He does all the little things well. He doesn't cheat the game. He'll get you 15 to 20. You know, I think Oilers fans will have to be patient with him early on. I think it takes a lot for a guy to come back after a year off, but I think it's an excellent signing.
0: Yeah, and as we talked about before, like the blue line, I think that there's an upgrade needed at playoff time. I mean, I think we, we know that the Oiler blue line as it currently exists might not get him over the hump to a Stanley Cup, Johnny, but it was a real targeted move this year with Matthias Ekholm. Just the perfect player at the perfect time. And I know Oiler fans probably wanted more improvement on the blue line. That's just so hard to do this far out. You don't know exactly what you need just yet. So a targeted move and some patience I think is smartier from Ken Holland.
2: It is because you also remember, like, just action doesn't mean improvement.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: they can go sign guys, but unless they're going to be better, why do you want to add more salary, more bodies, more commitments when, you know, yeah, you I have a good team. They need money to sign Evan Bouchard. I've been screaming for someone to offer sheet Evan Bouchard for two weeks now. <laughs> I heard you saying um, that,
0: yeah. on the. They, I'm sure they, the owners were swearing money. at their TV as well.
2: Well, listen, Ken Holland talked about it out loud, so yeah. it's not like he's not he's not aware of it. But So they need that money to, to get him done, and then they can figure out what else is happening depending on how it looks at the deadline. I think this is probably a, a wise move. When they traded away Kasson and Yamamoto, they had to prioritize a forward, and they got one, and a good one, who's, a, who's better than his contract probably dictates for this upcoming year. So, yeah, patience. It's not a finished product. They're going to be good enough to be good. Um, they may be not good enough to win it all, but they'll get there or try to get there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and one of the things that I sometimes think of is that sometimes the teams that are quiet on July 1st are the teams, you know, you think about Tampa, New Jersey, Edmonton. You know what those teams have in common? They're already pretty good. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, July 1st is not an optimal time to fix your team. You can tweak. You can add some elements for sure, and we'll talk about that here. It's not the day ever. To fix your actual team at the heart of it because you're overpaying and and you're in scramble mode and airs on fire. The fact that the Oilers were quiet, like the doubles were quiet, Tampa Bay was quiet, guess what? Those teams are all competing for the cup next year.
0: Yeah. Uh, Not a lot to say about the Montreal Canadiens' day, Pierre. Uh, Nothing really major. Sean Monaghan gets done to return on a one year, $1.99 million deal. That was. Um, you know, a little bit earlier on, uh, kind of nibbling around the edges. What did you make of how quiet things were?
1: Yeah, they traded Joel Edmondson and had to retain half. So it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't a, a, an ideal trade. I mean, they would have liked for someone to pick them up in full. But what it did is it, it, it moved, it opened a roster spot because they've got so many young defensemen now. They have a bit of a glut of young D, which is a good thing to have when you're a team that's rebuilding. So that was important from that perspective. The other thing is, uh, you know, they'll need a bit of money to re-sign Newhook, where they just acquired. The the Basu wrote about this today in the Athletic, and I thought it was a very important point that he made. If the Habs can move a little more money, if they can take, if they can find someone to, to take Mike Hoffman, even if the Habs have to retain half, like they just did with Edmondson, it would be a lot more ideal for Montreal to have Carey Price actually on their roster on opening night than putting him on off-season. L- and i don't want to get into all the the bottom line is summer ltir is not as good for you as as being able to wait until the day after opening night in terms of your flexibility and and being able to do different things so that's the big off-season thing to be honest with montreal is how they handle the carry progress contract yeah
2: it's it, like don't you don't want to go down that that avenue because it's complex but yeah like that's uh that is something, if you're going to put guys on LTIR long-term, you'd like to be able to have their full contract on the books before you put them on LTIR. So even if you want to add money, say, um, we're going to add your money on the second day of the season yeah. because then we can sink the full $10 million and get the full $10 million credit from Carey Price. But that's another story. The one thing I am surprised about, Chaggy, maybe you, like Joel Edmonton at half, one year at 175, I'm surprised. I don't know what they wanted back from. Maybe they just wanted picks. I'm surprised they didn't get more on Joel Edmonton at a million, one seven, It feels like that, that could have health, been
0: more. Health issues, Pierre? Uh, by the way, Pierre, if you can just – I think your mic's rubbing a little bit on your collar there, buddy, so if you can just maybe nudge it away from the uh, – Okay. Nudge so, it away from your collar. Yeah, sorry um, about that. Thought, is it yeah. an injury issue with Edmondson, though, I guess is the question.
1: Yeah, he had a tough year with the back, and remember at the trade deadline, he basically became untradeable because he, I think he – He ended up playing literally the night before the trade deadline to show everyone that that he was healthy again. But I think the back, uh, even though he's healthy again by all accounts, I think it made teams nervous and it it hurt his trade value.
0: Okay, we'll speed up a little bit here. The Ottawa Senators, Corpus Salo on the five-year deal. They locked up some RFAs, and Debrink is still hanging around out there. Uh, MJ, is Corpus at five times four uh, reasonable? And, And what do you think of that?
2: Salary reasonable. I'm always hesitant to give goalies with health issues or performance fluctuations, tons of terms, but that's what it was going to take to get him. I do believe that he fixed his hips last summer. Mm. That's a big part of the reason why he bounced back and had a really good year both in Columbus and a really strong year in L.A. Um, If you were going to bet on one of those guys that you didn't have to trade for, I feel just about – other than Freddie Anderson, I might have – pick him over Corpus Um, he probably would have been the guy who would have picked Pierre. I think they cannot miss on this guy. Like He has to be good, but I think he's got a really chance, a really good chance to, to be good for them.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, you know, if you're Ottawa, you know, Corpus went to LA and suddenly had a lot of pressure on him, maybe the most pressure he's ever had in his career, right? The Kings were a playoff team, they needed help, and he responded well, and for me, that's a great Sort of, you know, sales pitch if you're Corpus Sallow, that, that you can handle that. So, I, I, you know, I'm with you, term. I mean, Tristan Jerry contract in Pittsburgh makes me a little nervous, to be quite honest, because of his his health issues. I'm actually quite surprised that Cal Dubas, in a way, did that, but it's telling that it happened late in the day after free agency opened. There were a few things going on there with Pittsburgh. And one of them, by the way, is I think the Penguins had talked to uh, Fred Anderson's camp before Freddie Anderson went back to Carolina. And I know we're supposed to talk about Ottawa, but it's all tied into each other. The goal is fascinating, yet again, uh, because it couldn't wildly wilder than it ended up being. Anderson legitimately went the market. And there were a few conversations, and then he ends up back in Carolina. I believe Simeon Varlamov briefly went the market. And may have spoken to Carolina, but ends up back with Lou uh with the, there are a lot of things going on within a span of about an hour and a half (laughs) that could have drastically actually changed the goalie landscape more than more than it actually did. So that was interesting yesterday.
0: All right, guys, want to remind you that uh, Liberty Smart Security is a great spot to go if you're looking to uh, increase uh, uh, just how your level of safety, how you're feeling in your home or in your office. They've got high-quality advanced smart security systems for your home and your office and help you protect the things that you value most in your life. Your home is your castle, so is your business, so protect it with Liberty Smart Security. We're going to continue rolling right along here, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ryan Reeves, boy, there's that contract's getting a lot of play, uh, (laughs) on social media and Twitter and such when Twitter's working, Johnny, what do you think? Ryan Reeves, the three years people, you know, his age definitely raises the eyebrow a little bit. Did they need Ryan Reeves?
2: That's the, that's the question. And you phrase it so well. I can't angle my way out of it. I know. Putting you right on the spot. The age thing for him doesn't really matter as much because what he's the best in the world at, I don't think is not going to be the case in two or three years. Uh, foot speed is not his strength and that's not going to be his strength as he gets older. I think, do they need a tough guy? Well, um, they've had Matt Martin, Kyle Clifford, Wayne Simmons. And I'm not suggesting any of them are as tough as Brian Reeves, but they've had some version of that guy around and it hasn't necessarily done whatever they hoped it would do. But I think for Ryan Reeves, is as much as, you know, whether he can be intimidating or keep the flies off, which I personally do not believe one bit, he does add, I and mean, you saw him when he talked to James yesterday, he is full of personality and juice and noise and volume. And I think that, as much as anything, is something the Toronto Maple Leafs management group was interested in, Pierre, like – Having a guy who adds a different dynamic to the room in as much as he adds something to what they do on the ice. So, um, you know, it's one, three, it's too long. It's, you know, you could think it for basically $300,000 if it didn't work out. But uh, I, I think it's a test more a statement on his personality being the driving force of whatever impact he's going to have as opposed to, to whatever he does on the ice.
1: Yeah, first of all, I think that's going to be a two-year deal, not a three-year deal. And I won't get into it, but I suspect the way they structured the deal, I mean, there's a way to to get out of it in year three Mm -hmm. through different mechanisms anyway. But I I think you touched on the important part here. First of all, way too much was made of it either way, whether you're for it or against it. I think people need to calm down in in, in Leafland. But um, he he has a personality uh, that brings people into the group from people i have played with him. He has such a vibrant personality, and he's he has the right kind of loud. And I think, I think if there was an for example, if Ann O'Reilly or Luke Shenover came on here and had truth serum, and they would, I, I'm sure, not even say this on or off the record, but I bet you, if we forced them, they would say it was an eye opener for them to go in that lead room last year and realize how quiet that room was. Mm-hmm. And sure. and I think that. That's a big part of this signing. Here is, is, you know, Matt Martin was really good at that when he was in Toronto, especially because Matthews and Martin were so young then. But um, you know, that personality in the room that reminds everyone that there's no hiding, that everyone's accountable. I think Ryan Reeves will be good at that. The rest, I mean, people are, you know. People are, 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 go, are, are exaggerating their reactions here to what it truly means on the ice. Like, come on, he's, he's a bottom six guy. He's going to do what he does. But to me, it's more about what he brings up the ice for this team.
2: And so, yeah, there might not be the biggest on-ice reaction to Ryan Reeves, but it's not like the Leafs don't have more work to do because the bigger question on-ice is all the guys they lost that they did not replace. And I probably won't get them all between Hall and Shen and Achari and O'Reilly. And bunting, am I missing anyone? Like, they lost a whole bunch of guys with a whole bunch of goals and a whole bunch of production, and they didn't really replace or, them.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, Ryan O'Reilly's yep. in there. I think I got him. So th- there is more work for Toronto to do. Uh, and they have to sort out their goaltending situation, which is muddy with Matt Murray there. So um, while they weren't the busiest on July 1st, I don't think by any stretch they're done because it, they got a lot to do.
1: No, and they really, really tried hard to sign Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, this was not about money. I mean, the lease, the lease, could have easily matched what Nashville did. So, read into that what you will that Ryan O'Reilly left. What does that um,
2: say? That Ryan O'Reilly goes well, uh, Nashville uh, over Toronto? Yeah, pretty
1: much. Yeah. Um, you, know, but, but, it, but, this is the issue. This is why Brad are living rather publicly in Nashville, and even yeah. He he wanted the Nylander situation in particular you know, wrapped up before yesterday, and it didn't happen. And, and you know, the difficulty for the Leafs is that I think they have an idea where the Matthews deal will probably end up this summer at some point, so that one's not as urgent. But you can't go out and do a million things until you know what happens with Nylander because that's a major cog. It's a major cog on the ice in terms of one of the most talented Players, and and it's a major cog on the cap, and and this is what Tree Living was trying to say uh, when he went to the media. I think it was on Tuesday in Nashville, is that there's a there, there's an urgency to figuring out that situation so that he knows what else he needs to do around the roster, and I think clearly a lot of frustration with how that negotiation now has played out because you know I get it, uh, you know people will say well just, just trade him if his if he if he doesn't want to play ball with you on a, on the kind of extension you want to sign him to, okay. Are you getting decent value back for William Nylander? Do you know of mm-hmm. a lot of teams that have cap room that can give William Nylander you know what what he feels he should get paid? And by the way, again, he should get paid. He's a very good player. But we've just seen an offseason where where Taylor Hall and Ryan Johansson and Kevin Hayes all get traded for nothing. At least are in a pickle here. The way better path is getting Nealander to a deal you can live with and keep him. That that's the best path. The divorce path, while also understandable, and it may end up going that way this summer. You don't know how you're placing his offense, and you don't know how many teams are really in a position where they can Nylander themselves. So, so it, it's a, it's a tough thing it's affecting the Leafs' ability to do other things right now.
0: Man, the the general managers who've taken over in a couple of spots here between. Conroy in Calgary and Tree Living in Toronto, like any one of these moves that they have to try and negotiate would be difficult in an off season. But there are just big, big things that need to get done, and you know, huge franchise shifting players where deals need to get done, and uh, the market is gummed up, and it's definitely making things difficult. Uh, to Vancouver, Johnny Carson, Susie three times three point uh-huh. two five, Teddy Bluger. Uh, Ian Cole, how much better do you think the Vancouver Canucks are?
2: Their penalty kill would be better. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's part of it. They had the worst penalty kill in the league last year. Teddy Bluger, I think somebody said the last three years, he's got the second best goals against per 60 rate amongst forwards while shorthanded. So he's a great penalty killer. Cole and Stucy will do those things. Stucy had a fantastic playoff. So, you know, you're buying high on him as he gets a bit of term. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to play with who, where Ian Cole's third pair, Susie's second pair, you have Myers, you got Ronick I don't know how they're going to shuffle themselves out. They're solid NHLers. If you're going to ask Carson Susie or Ian Cole to play in Vancouver in your top four all year long, that might be stretching how long they could be at their very, very best. It might be at the outer limits of, of, of how, how much they could play there. But they will be better, Pierre. I mean, they're going to be better defensively, which is Part of their part of what they're trying to accomplish.
1: Yeah, and this certainly, this front office also listening to their coach. I think you know, there's some Rick talkisms in in this in these signings. I think and and uh, you you look at the way the team reacted to Rick talking behind the bench. You know, is that something that goes into next year? Listen, Vancouver. You know, step back for a minute and go ten thousand feet. Vancouver is still a fascinating thing to me because. I don't think ownership there has ever allowed. I don't know if he will ever allow what probably should have happened, which is a full rebuild. And because of that, the margins are so difficult for Patrick Alvin and the rest of that front office to navigate being competitive.
0: Looks like we might have lost Pierre there, Johnny. <laughs>
2: uh got I'll it
0: not. everyone's on their phones yeah oh there he, is. he popped back in came back around there oh. i'll make an edit there uh okay he dropped
2: out there for a second Pierre. but yeah
0: i'm gonna have lots of work to do mm-hmm. in this production here fellas
2: yeah we know what you're doing today
0: yeah yeah no i'm Lastly, we go to the Winnipeg Jets, uh, who we just talked about general managers that have a ton of work to get done, and Kevin Chevaldeoff is certainly right at the top of that list. Uh, return Laurent Brassois to the organization. Of all the players in the playoffs uh, that took injuries, man, I felt bad for Laurent Brassois, oh. uh, as The way he had found his game and then to get hurt at that time, uh, definitely difficult. But he goes back to Winnipeg. Uh, Johnny, it just seems to me like the, there's so much to get done Uh, Trying to sort out how to improve yourself in free agency, there's just the list was too long.
2: Free agency wasn't the play for them. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Similarly, Calgary, right? They have these great players that may get dealt, that will return other NHLers. They want draft picks. The draft just happened. They're going to try to get other players. So when Hellebuck goes, whenever that is, um, they're gonna they're gonna be looking for they look for players. So Nemecos a serviceable guy, but. Again, it's a trade summer for Winnipeg, not a signing summer. Yeah,
1: and they uh, they got a really strong return to Pierre Luc Dubois. Too, let's not forget uh, in Nashville at, at the draft in that blockbuster. Um, yeah, it, thinking of Laurent Brossoie, you want to think about how your fate could have changed on your point, Ryan. If he never gets hurt, and he's the one who wins the cup, and I, I want to be on, I want to be careful here. I'm not taking anything from the way Aiden Hill played under pressure. He was a cucumber, did the job. But behind that blue line in Vegas, I, I think Lauren Brassois also wins a cup if he stays healthy. I really truly believe that. And if that's the case, are the roles completely reversed in the last seven days between the Aiden Hill contract and the Lauren Brassois contract? I don't know. I always think it's funny to think of those things.
0: All right, that wraps up the Canadian teams. Uh, I asked you guys to maybe pick a team or two that also stood out uh, to you in one way or another. Uh, Pierre, we can start with you. You know, when you evaluate the day outside of the the Canadian teams, what kind of resonated with you?
1: Well, I just before we joined here today, I was on the with Barry Trotz, and and he was really walking me through. Now that it's all happened, his his game plan entering the off season, and I think Barry Trotz. Surprised a lot of people. And and there was such a culture play for him in terms of resetting that National Predators franchise. And and listen, Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne are awesome dudes and, and good hockey players, but this is just more about the Predators who kept doing the same thing and the same thing and the same thing, and it was time for, for a reset. And boy, if you listen to Barry Klotz talk about why he signed Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shen, you understand what Barry Trotz is trying to do there in Nashville. And, um, and, and you know, they're not going to be a great team. They're a team in transition. But uh, he's got a lot of young players coming, and he wants people like Luke Shen and Ryan O'Reilly around those young players. And so that was certainly a big part of, of yesterday for me. The other one is Carolina because the Hurricanes are one of the most fascinating NHL every year. Last year they trade for Brent Burns, and now right now as we speak, they're trying to trade for Eric Carlson. They may or may not be able to pull it off, but um, they're trying to trade for Eric Carlson. They sign Orlov, they sign Bunting. Um, the Tony DeAngelo trade, according to Don Waddell, is still going to happen, probably around July 9th with Philly. They are a fascinating team that keeps knocking at the door, trying to break through, and they're not afraid to move. They're almost like Vegas. Vegas East, in many ways, in 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 their courage to uh, to make big moves.
2: How many right shot defenseman they need? Burns, D'Angelo, Carlson. They got Pesci and, and Shea on their expiring deals this year, which tells you well. where those guys are coming. You also have the two goalies. They're going to go with a three goalie, three headed goalie monster when they re sign Ronta and Anderson, which is surprising to me, Pierre.
1: Well, because. Uh, uh, I always mispronounce his name. The young Russian netminder, um, does not, re- yeah, he, he does not require waivers for one more year, Mike. So they're able to send him down at will. And let's be honest, I think there's also a track record of both Anderson and Ranta getting hurt. Mm-hmm. So they used all three goalies last year, and I think they're, they believe they will need to use all three goalies again next year. So that part doesn't surprise me. You're right about all the right handed shot D. That's interesting. And I think if they if they are able to land Eric Carlson, which again may or may not happen, but if they do get him, uh, I suspect there's a chance they trade Brett Pesci given their inability to extend him so far in those negotiations.
0: Who stood out for you, Johnny?
2: Um who didn't Detroit sign? I mean, like it's amazing the <laughs> volume of work that they did. And Steve Eiserman obviously last summer it felt like they okay, were not building anymore. We're trying to be good, but I'm going to just take my look. So JT Comfort gets a big deal. He's kind of like Andrew Kopp, Like he's a good defensive center, two way guy, not a great offensive guy, but a solid guy to add to the mix. Uh, they trade for Costin. They buy out Yamamoto. They sign Christian Fisher. Uh, Daniel Sprong, he's going to score 20 in his sleep somewhere. Now it's going to be in Detroit. Ben, uh, Shane Gossifer, Justin Hall, James Reimer, Alex Lyons. Like I know it's a lot of nibbling but enough nibbles is a full meal. Like, that's, like, you know, seven, eight guys on your roster, you just signed yesterday. Uh, it's, I don't even know how they all fit together. Derek Malone's going to have to do some, some creative whiteboard work to try to get those guys organized. But if July 1's not generally the day to build your team. Steve Eiserman spent July 1 reshaping the outer edges of his team entirely yesterday, which is fascinating.
1: Well, don't forget he also signed Caution after acquiring him from Edmonton. Oh, and and he had time to buy out yeah the Oilers. It's been a, it was a busy week for Steve Eiseman. Uh, yeah, and I tell you, uh, credit to the agent uh, Kevin Magnuson, who's the agent for JT Comfort, because of how tight the market is and how little money there was. I I knew they wanted five million plus a year, which is why Colorado couldn't resign him. I didn't think it was out there, so I, I was wrong on that one. It's, it's good to point out when you're wrong. Uh, which happens mm-hmm. a lot for me. But I just didn't think someone was going to spend $5 million plus on JT Comfer. I, I, I get it. Career year last year, 52 points. But to me, he's really a third line center, not a second line center. He ended up getting opportunities because of injuries and, and Nazem Kadri's exit from Colorado. Uh, good for him. You know, solid player for sure. Uh, don't know if he's a $5 million player. So we'll see. Yeah. What
0: about uh, the. I mean, the term given out by uh, the New York Islanders fellas, it was like all of a sudden they were just like, you get a contract and you get seven years and you get eight years. And I didn't see that one coming from that GM. Right as we were going
2: off air, it dropped right at five o'clock. We were just leaving the studio. We're like, okay, Sorokin is his own situation. So he's one of the best boys in the world. It's a long-term contract, scary, but that's kind of appropriate money for one of those guys. He's one of the very few guys you probably could convince yourself yeah. as a goalie is worth that. Fair enough. Scott Mayfield for seven, even on a low cap hit. I guess they're just basically just averaging the cap hits down by giving out tons of terms. So Scott Mayfield, was it was three and three and something million dollars for seven years.
0: Three point five. No. Three,
2: yeah, three million for seven years. Um It's just. So long to commit to guys that are not upper echelon players, solid players, but not upper echelon players. And then Barlamov, he's like, going mean, to be 40 years old on a four-year deal. Like it's, it, it seems like it's just too long. I get what he's trying yeah. to do, keep keep the AAV down by giving extra years, but um, it's stunning. But Lou has always done it his own way. He doesn't really care what people might say about what he does, but. It it seems like um, an awful long time to commit to guys who are good, but not great.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I wouldn't group them all together. I think you have to look at each deal separately. Uh, The Sorokin deal, I think, is excellent. Uh, Even if the seventh and eighth years scare you, he's a top three goalie in the world, and you just got him for less money than than Vasilevsky. Bob's your uncle, man. I sign on that any day. He's still in his 20s. That was an excellent signing. I'm okay with field i don't think it's a great signing but i'm fine with it because you know he's a dependable player that you get for three and a half million a year you know what a lot of defensive making five we're the same guy the same yeah. guy as him and
2: you could be a third you pair know? guy right here now if you make yeah. three million dollars going forward that could be a third pair guy it's not going to be a yeah as well. so, so
1: that one's okay the Angval one is a head scratcher for me because i think that if you'd sign him at two years at three million you could get him again at three million in the third year like i I, the term on Engvall doesn't—that one didn't compute for me—and um, then finally Barlamov, Yeah, four years is too long on a veteran goalie, but he had other interest. I, I hinted at it earlier today. He he did dip his toes. You're allowed to do that, despite playing on a Lou Lamoriello team. He was UFA, and <laughs> and and, and uh, he did have some some leverage. Um, you know, the A V at two seven five is is nice uh i don't think he plays out that deal so again what what are the options at the end there when when perhaps you're making this a three-year deal not a four-year deal we'll see how that plays out
0: all right that was a solid little roundup fellas we're grinding our way through some wi-fi issues at the cottage but i think we got her done uh we can't let the season end without one final red card yellow card no card i mean we, (laughs) we, we, we can't it's our signature game um sweeping the nation uh, and this is just a real subtle one, real subtle one. I heard this story while I was at the draft, had a conversation with a couple of other fellas about it, and I decided I needed to bring it to the podcast guys. So this is simple, just simple scenario. Oh boy, You're at dinner. It's three guys out for dinner, all out, you know, on a work trip, you're at a reasonably nice restaurant, right? Pretty, pretty decent. Yeah, we'll put it in like the four star range, something like that. They take their food reasonably seriously. Three of you fellas at the table and the server's taking orders and everybody's sitting there ordering, gets to the third guy, a little bit indecisive. So his comment to the server is, what is the chef feeling excited about today? Yeah, yeah, that's the comment. What is the chef feeling excited about today? Now, you guys are going to know where I stand on this because I'm bringing it up. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I will never let that go. That would be something that uh, I would use for the rest of my life with this person to be all over him for. So this is a red card all day long for me uh pierre you're more of a foodie than i am mg i'm not sure where you're gonna come out on this but guys this is red card all day long what is the chef excited about today the only thing that would have made that worse is if he dropped the the and said what is chef excited about today (laughs) what say you
2: pierre
1: i'm gonna say red card i totally agree because first of all (laughs) uh, it's almost like asking your server you know what's good here on the menu. It, it it doesn't matter. Everyone has different tastes, and and so that shouldn't matter what sells more. It, it, you need a game plan when you go into a restaurant. I know when it's a fish night for me that what else is on the menu because I'm in the mood for fish, and then I'm focused when I get there. Um, like our last dinner in Nashville, Ryan, it was a fish night for me. So good. But, um, yeah. but no,
0: I, like chef was excited about that fish that night.
1: He, he or she was excited. And, <laughs> and again, it's like asking your server, what's good here? Well, what your server may enjoy may not be what you enjoy. So I, I that, that actually as much of a red card for me is asking the server. What's okay. good on the menu.
2: You snobby, snotty. No, oh, come on guys. It's basically saying, what do you recommend? What is like this? What, you know, some dishes are, are, are so well known. Some are very popular, and frequently enjoyed. I'm giving no card. You're asking what? for a little guidance wow. from someone oh, who is supposed to have the information that could give you some guidance. Not everyone knows it's fish night. Not everyone knows what the specialty is. So if you walk in, I don't have a game plan when I go to a restaurant. But Johnny... Game plan is when I look at the menu and decide what I'm going to do. But if you want well, more
0: I'll- detail, just say, you know, how's the fish? Or say, "How's your Caesar salad?" But the idea that never, like the chef is. What do you recommend? Well, that's different than saying, "What's the chef excited about tonight?" Like, like another way
2: of saying, "What do you recommend?" The server's gonna say, "Well, I tell you what, man.
0: He hasn't stopped talking about the tuna tartare since I came in. So I'd say he's really excited about the tuna tartare.
2: I'm pumped. (laughs) You foodies, get out of here. No cars. now. To to be fair, to be
0: fair. MJ is
1: labeling me correctly because uh, when I go to a good restaurant, I'm enough of a nerd, I will tell you, where I will study the menu during the afternoon He's and, probably and have the a good day. There.
2: Yeah. See, yeah, that's, you yeah. Know, that's me, that's like me. That. No that card.
0: Interesting. gonna
2: be a red card.
0: Two reds Free and a no card. Assignment.
2: Oh, my goodness.
0: Well, guys, I think we're going to have to keep red card, yellow card, no card going in Season 2 because, <laughs> man, did we have some fun with that this year. Had tons of fun with you guys as well in Season 1. Gentlemen, thank you for your contributions and, and great work. Enjoy a well-earned summer break, and uh, look forward to talking to you guys again soon.
1: Thanks, guys. Enjoy your ride. Right. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for making this thing a reality, buddy. Yeah, you bet,
0: buddy. We had a ton of fun. Uh, And a huge thanks to our sponsors. You want to talk about making it a reality. Got to thank Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. Just amazing title sponsors this season. Liberty Smart Security as well. Uh, Just fantastic partners and our good pals over at Kuma Outdoor Gear. Got to thank Pro Hockey Life as well. They were sponsors for the first half of the season. And a big thanks to them as well. Enjoy your summer, folks. Uh, We'll still drop some podcasts, Got Your Back, Y.E.G. with Strudwick and I. So if you want some oiler content here and there through the summer, keep an eye on our feed. Otherwise, rest, relax, enjoy, Get yourself fired up. We'll be back in September for season two. Cheers.